0: Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Robin Johnson. Robin is a functional medicine dietitian nutritionist. Her passion of using food and lifestyles medicine found her after a personal battle and triumph with psoriasis. She specializes in helping women optimize their hormones, gut, and skin by finding the root cause to their symptoms. Robin runs a virtual practice, is the creator of the Clear Skin Lab, and believes healthcare should be individualized, and that starts with each person understanding how their body works and what their body needs to truly thrive. In this episode, Robin discusses ways to improve your gut and skin health, including why it's important to maximize your mineral status through a daily mineral mocktail, especially since we lose more minerals when we're stressed, including salt, good sleep hygiene, and what specifically to start doing today to improve your gut health, to improve other areas of your health, including her typical food and supplement protocol. I'm so excited for you all to get a peek into Robin's expertise when it comes to skin and gut health. I have my own personal story with skin issues and improving my gut to improve and manage it so I know how powerful the connection is. So tune in to hear all of Robin's health promoting secrets and she shares her number one food that is most likely to cause skin issues and other options even if it's a trigger for you. All right, Robin, well welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. I mean, I was basically just acting like a little cheerleader before we were just talking. Um but I'm so excited for people to hear all your knowledge on, you know, skin health, but also how that relates to your gut. And I want to just start with kind of your journey and what led you down the path the more, you know, functional side of nutrition. And what differences do you see, especially in your own practice, um, compared to a more traditional approach?
1: Yes. So, well, thank you for having me, first of all. And I, I think for a lot of people who get into functional medicine, it is a personal story or the story of a loved one that really challenges you to take a different perspective. And that was my case. So I was 20 years old when I developed psoriasis, which is like, you know, I looked like I had chicken pox all the time, all over smack dab in the middle of college. Not a time, not that any time is fun, but it really got to my self-confidence. So after, you know, I tried all the things I saw three dermatologists. I did so much prednisone. I did topicals. One dermatologist told me to go tanning and I have a pretty significant family history of, of skin cancer. And he he literally said, you're going to have to choose your battles." So frustrating to say the least, and things weren't working. I just kept getting flares and it got to the point where they said, we can't give you more prednisone. Your next step is an immunosuppressant drug. And at this point I was 22, didn't want to do that. And I, at the time, this is all right time, right place, honestly, but I was in Kansas city at grad school, I was starting grad school. And that school happened to have the first program of its kind that taught dietitians to practice functional medicine. And so I took one little intro class and I thought, why can't I apply this to psoriasis? So I started digging, looking up studies, I started practicing on myself and long story short, I ended up clearing my skin in 3 months and haven't had I mean I've had maybe some minor eczema flares now and then now and again but have not had massive flares since and that was 7 years ago. So that's what got me into it. And obviously since then I was like, I need to practice this with everyone. And, and I've just continued my learning and uh, practice down that route.
0: Oh my gosh. That, I mean, that's amazing. And uh, I wish my, honestly, I wish my school had the same option um, because now you just have to do so much more digging on your own, but I don't know if you're familiar, Robin, but I have my own story with psoriasis. I mean, I still have it and I still get flare ups here and there. Um, I just have it as of now on my scalp and it's hereditary. My grandfather had it, some other people in our family have it, but it's really frustrating. And I can't imagine having it. I mean, at least I, you know, it's covered a little bit with my hair when I do have flare ups, but for anyone, that's ever had psoriasis, especially in a visible place, I mean, it's pretty debilitating.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And there's pretty good stats on individuals with not only psoriasis and eczema, but acne too, and the connection with mental health. I mean, stats are higher. You're more likely to have depression anxiety because it is such an emotional condition. I mean, I remember, like I said, I was in college and I wanted to go to a lake trip with a group of friends, but I was having a flare. And I went to the doctor's office and I begged, I begged for medications and he resistantly said, okay, because he saw how desperate I was. And I mean, they don't have, and not to blame the medical system, that's how they're taught, but unfortunately that's the system. They're not taught to dig deeper. And so part of my job is to teach people to advocate for yourself, how to ask deeper questions, what types of things could be triggering this. And really that's what I do on social media is just try to educate so that people have some more tools to advocate for themselves.
0: Yeah. And for anyone, I mean, we'll have Robin plug herself away at the end, but she puts out such good information on social media. So make sure to check her out there too. But I want to know, cause I know Robin, you work with so like all different types of skin issues, gut issues, and you know, many other things, but what are some common things you see that are just in general, good for skin health, mm-hmm. But also, if there are underlying factors that are typically connected, can you touch on those as well?
1: Yes. It's quite a broad question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say some of the... So if we're talking about skin health or even just yeah. general health, something that I really nowadays do with almost everybody, like as they come in as a client or even in, in all of my online programs, is teach people to just start optimizing their mineral status which is like magnesium, potassium, sodium, I will say majority of the people that come to me are already aware of the importance of diet. They're already eating pretty well. Uh, They've done some online research, but it's not, something's not working. And usually there's stress involved. So if you're stressed, you are depleting nutrients. You're going to burn through magnesium. You're going to burn through certain minerals. So one thing I'll do with pretty much everybody is get them started on what I call a mineral mocktail, which is just a, basically a drink you're going to mix some things into to just optimize some of those minerals. Minerals run our cells. They're the spark plug to everything. So that's just a foundational thing that I have most people do. Um, we'll talk, you know, some of the first steps I'll have people do too, is talk about sleep, um, circadian rhythm, or like your light and darks, sleep and wake cycles. Basically those things are pretty foundational for everybody. And so without testing, that's some stuff that everyone can really be starting with.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know for me right now, my psoriasis is pretty controlled. I actually feel like I'm pretty clear right now, but it's stress is my main driver. I mean, I can do food wise. Yes. I could see some changes, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, eliminating some dairy or gluten or doing less, but it's Usually it's always stress coming down to it. Um, and that's something we actually we stress a lot on this show. but you know, just really controlling your sleep and stress because you're not even if you're eating the right diet or exercising every day if those two things aren't aligned, they can still you know lead to a lot of other conditions and also just not fe- not feeling great. So um, I'm curious though like are there other, underlying conditions you know we talk about the gut skin access and what do you really see there most common with um some of your clients yes
1: yeah, so the gut in terms of your microbiota like the bacteria all over your body the gut is it sets the stage for bacteria everywhere on the skin in the vagina in the bladder in the lungs and so if you have a poor gut environment or you know, let's picture, compare it to a garden. If your garden is full of weeds and doesn't have what it needs to help fuel the growth of flowers or produce, it's gonna be an issue. You can have more what's called endotoxins or inflammation in the gut. That can trigger lots of things, including skin issues. Um, You can have issues with breaking down and excreting hormones. Sometimes that can lead to skin issues. So there's a lot of things that can be disrupted in the gut and I know there's a lot of talk about you know killing things and killing the bad stuff, which there's certainly a time for that. But the easier place to start and the thing that's going to set you up for long-term health is focus on nourishing the good. Nourish yourself with prebiotics, probiotics. Again, check minerals, check stress levels. That's going to impact how you digest food. Taking five deep breaths before you eat so that you're in a parasympathetic nervous system state where you can digest food better. I know those things seem so simple, but those are conversations that I have with clients all the time. And it, it doesn't always have to be supplements. Sometimes it's, you know, foundational work.
0: Yeah. Are there particular, I'm curious, are there like particular food protocols? And I know everyone's different, but like typical food protocols or supplement protocols that if you get someone and a lot of the times I feel like people don't even know that their gut is out of whack because we can't really see it we just feel it in other ways whether it's yeah you know coming out through our skin or our mood right because our gut is connected to pretty much everything mm-hmm. so we don't even realize that it's coming from our gut but are are there specific protocols that you'll put people on to help with their gut or just that our listeners today can start doing
1: yeah, so I will say the the foundational thing that I would encourage most people to do is start building a plate of real real food. I mean, I am not a perfectionist where I'm saying zero processed food. I don't like to do a lot of elimination diets. There are there's a time and a place for sure, but that's not again, I don't want to focus so much on what not to eat. I'd rather help someone build the positive lens and so looking that you're getting balanced meals, especially for acne and blood sugar, um, healthy carbohydrates, healthy proteins, healthy fats at each meal, and looking at the quality of those, that's really where we start is just trying to build as much as you can around real food. And then depending on the skin issue, there might be times where, okay, maybe we trial an experiment of pulling out dairy, which If we're looking at any food related to skin, I would probably pinpoint that as the biggest one, cow's dairy specifically, but I don't want people to think that's the root cause of all skin issues because it's so not the case. Um, So we start with what to put on the plate and then depending on the person, we might trial pulling out some foods depending on what's going on with them.
0: Yeah, no, it's so interesting too, even with, um, because I was saying I've pulled out dairy and gluten also for like there's other reasons to just not making my gut feel good or, um, and I still eat them to this day. I'm just very mindful of it. But also too, if you find that cow's dairy doesn't make you feel good, there's goat's milk and sheep's milk. Like we use a sheep's milk yogurt that we love. It's still, it tastes so good. Um, and try if you can, you know, from animals that are eating their natural diet, but there's other options as well. And I do say like my I definitely feel better if I'm eating like I notice if I'm eating a sheep's milk um, cheese, like a manchego cheese or our sheep's milk yogurt versus cow's dairy as well. So always know people there are other options yeah. as well. Or there's
1: um, or, raw dairy yeah. and people tolerate yeah. dairy and that is not as big of a trigger for some people. Uh, So you really have to be okay with experimenting and just getting to know your body. A lot of people, like you said earlier, will assume their gut is not related to it because they don't have digestive symptoms. Of course, there's a small percentage of people who will have gut symptoms along with their skin symptoms, which makes it easier to connect, but that's not the majority. And that's why I do think sometimes testing is helpful to help direct someone and give some evidence that, Hey, this is a big issue, a big connection. Um, but you know, uh, these days I think there's a lot more conversations around gut connections to everything, which is a good thing in my opinion. Yeah.
0: What, um, what Robin, what are some of the testings you'll do for people? Cause I've, I don't know if you find this in your practice, but all of a lot of clients who don't even realize they're bloated. And then if we just, just naturally with, like you're saying, promoting healthier foods and more real foods, when we take away some others, we are like, Oh my gosh, like my stomach, just went down and I feel better and it's not weight loss. It's literally just bloat loss. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Um, (laughs) That quote before. And then another thing I, I think people don't realize is their stress level, especially if you've you're used to being, you know, I'm more type A. A lot of my clients are more type A. If you're used to go, 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 you don't think about it as stress, but the body does. And so I do find, um, looking at circadian rhythm in a test can be helpful and, you know, no matter where the stress is coming from, whether it's emotional, um, whether it's anxiety, like perceived stress, or it's a physical stressor, like inflammation, the body's going to deplete nutrients and things are not going to work as well. There's such an interesting connection with how minerals work together, what's going on with magnesium and copper and iron and how all these things work together. If those aren't optimized, you're going to get an inflammation response. And so um, finding someone's stressor and helping them see that it's significant gives them more of a drive to actually pay attention to it and then stay consistent with like mineral optimization and maybe some of the food stuff that helps replete what's being
0: drained. Yeah, no, I'm a big magnesium fan over here. And also just like the magnesium stress cycle, pretty much as your stress goes up, we excrete more magnesium And then when we lose more magnesium, we have a worse response to stress and it just keeps going round and Mm -hmm. around. And something I just love, I also just love how magnesium makes you feel when you take it, like especially before bed. It's just kind of just like this calmer, but it's also great too if you're exercising. Um, So big fan there. And I wanted to touch on too, I know you said salt as well, Mm -hmm. because salt gets such a bad rap, right? It's always don't make sure you're, Eating, you know, not too much salt or the right kind of salt, et cetera. Um, So, can you elaborate a little bit more on why Rob and someone should include sodium in their diet? Yes. So, I would put
1: sodium and potassium both in that category. I know sodium is talked about more in a negative way. And, I don't know if the people listening to this are more likely to have a decent diet, but I find that when people have a healthier diet, they're not getting all the processed salt in food. So there's room to add sodium. There's room to add that and you need it. I mean, when we are making cortisol, we are utilizing sodium and potassium. And so if, again, if you're stressed, you're burning through these minerals quickly and you've got to get them in food. So I'm a big fan of encouraging pretty liberal salt use. I like a mineralized salt, like Celtic salt, Redmond's real salt. Those are great. And, um, you know, I'll have people put that in their water, in their mineral drink, and then be pretty liberal with food. But I know you touched on magnesium, which is more popular if, but if people go jump to magnesium but they're not using sodium and potassium, they can then get tired and kind of push one pathway without supporting the others, uh, which is why we kind of talk about using all of these minerals up front. Yeah. But I I think you're spot on. I mean, we just, we can't be afraid of some of these and unfortunately conventional medicine has put a bad label on sodium.
0: Yeah. And I've really noticed, I feel like with, you know, I mean, we have a low carb, Or lower carb craze right now, or even people who are on keto, et cetera. When you're taking in less carbs, you actually don't retain as much Mm -hmm. sodium as well, which also means sodium helps us retain our water. It helps us be more hydrated. So that's something I'll always touch on with clients too, is especially if, like you said, Robin, if they're eating a healthy diet for the most part, right? It's like, sprinkle on that salt, but I find so many people don't want to because it's just been so ingrained in their head. You don't do that. Um, obviously like Robin said, use a mineralized salt if you can. Um, but don't be afraid of the Mm -hmm. salt shaker unless you are eating a high processed food diet. You may be getting (laughs) enough there. Um, but don't be scared of it. I Um,
1: I do. Yeah. I tell people to picture your cells. We want them nice and plump, like a grape versus shriveled up like a raisin. And those minerals are going to help that. And just to give it, give it time trial this for three weeks, three weeks. I guarantee your energy is going to be better. You're going to be digesting food better. You're not going to feel like, you know, you know, you might have a, a few weeks of an adjustment with like what's going on with your bladder and holding on to water, moving water. Once your body gets used to it, you will enjoy it. And
0: for potassium, do you have favorite foods? I mean, I feel like people always just think of bananas, and I'm like, (laughs) avocados have a lot of potassium, but do you have favorite potassium rich foods that people could make sure they're incorporating each day?
1: Yeah, so I actually like to do this in a drink. I literally have it right next to me. Uh, you could utilize some coconut water. You could use cream of tartar powder and put that in there. Um, those are there's some other like powdered coconut waters. Like it's they turn it into powder, dehydrated, and some of those have flavors. So you can do like a pineapple version. There's a lot of ways to play with it. I just find it's easiest to make it like a daily drink versus trying to remember to bring in a lot of greens or to eat these certain things every day. It's just like, get in the habit of making this mocktail every day.
0: Yeah, no, I do really like, are you familiar Robin with, um, element, but it's mm-hmm. LMNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always like theirs. I also, it just tastes like, um, they're unflavored It's good. Um, but they also have, like a citrus salt, which I love, which reminds you of like a Gatorade. So from working out or something, um, it's always, but that's another good one. Um, if you're looking for like a sugar free version, um, just to mix in your water, even like I'll do half a packet sometimes, especially when I'm feeling dehydrated or like my lips are a little chopped. I feel like that's always a, a sign. And, um, also to make sure too. You can be drinking all the water in the world, but you may not be retaining it. Again, if your sodium's low, you may not be retaining it. So start to notice, you know, we always talk about like notice your signs and symptoms. Notice if your skin's a little dry, your lips are a little chapped, things like that. Um, and make sure you're getting enough of both. So I wanna ask you, um, we always like to focus on the positive, but I am curious, are there specific things that you find clients are doing? Um, that negatively affect their skin or gut health? Like just common common things you see. As in like foods they're do- consuming? Yeah. Or- F- foods or, yeah. I mean, really, I, I know we talked about stress. So obviously if they have a high stress lifestyle, but yeah, let's start with food.
1: Yeah. I mean, of course we can start with just the basics. If you're eating a lot of inflammatory oils, like a lot of seed oils, that's, not going to be a good setup for just general health, but that can also contribute to to some inflammation. Um, I would even say being too restrictive is something that I tend to see with clients. Of like, I mean, I'll have people come in on like AIP Paleo and just be so scared of so many foods, and there's an issue with that too. I mean, if you're not eating certain foods, you're not going to be having the prebiotics to feed the gut, and a lot of micronutrients can be pulled from that. So. I know we focus on all the not to eat sometimes, but I have to get people to reintroduce foods. Um, Let me try to think what, oh, another big one I see a lot of people not getting enough of is iodine, Uh, especially with acne. That's actually a common food that is in the don't eat category. I have a different opinion. I think that the reason iodine can trigger acne specifically for some people is actually because it's pulling out the the fluoride. Um, I don't think it's the actual iodine that's triggering it. There's a whole rabbit hole with fluoride and acne. Um, So because it's in a no category, I often have to help someone reintroduce that um, and talk about why that's okay for them, where to get iodine. We actually need it. We need it for a lot of reasons. Um, So those are the some that I would feel like I have to address the most.
0: Yeah. No, iodine is so important for thyroid health as well. And it's we we just don't get a lot in our diet, but something that's easy, and I'm curious, Robin, if you recommend some other things, but, like, I'll even recommend to clients, like, the seaweed snacks, and because most people end up liking them, I will say, as a note to it, the oils, read the ingredient label on it, see if you can get one that's made with, like, an avocado oil or an... um or even an olive oil, but try to avoid the vegetable oils with it. Cause then, you know, you're, you're doing one good thing for yourself, but then right. you're also adding in technically more processed oils. And, but yeah, just doing like a seaweed snack one to two times a week I find can really help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious too, you mentioned prebiotics. So mm-hmm. if you have other iodine rich foods, but then also do you have favorite prebiotic rich foods?
1: Yes. So depending on someone's digestive system, uh, we can, you know, we might incorporate like green bananas, onions, garlic, leeks. You know, there's a lot of vegetables that can fit in that category. Again, I'm, when I'm trying to get someone to just be consistent and compliant, sometimes it's easier to just tack something on to a habit they already have. So, you know, we have a lot of people drinking coffee. It is pretty easy to just toss in a scoop of sun fiber or a prebiotic powder, just because it's you're adding it on to a habit they already do. And you know, when we're working with someone and we're maybe changing a couple things at once. If we can just make it easy to become a habit, that's a win. So, and actually sun fiber and or acacia fiber, those are pretty mm-hmm. easy to tolerate and they're pretty good prebiotics. So that's a really nice place to start while talking about some of those foods that can be worked in as well.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I even find with most clients, even if they were having some serious gut issues and have some trigger foods that sometimes you have to watch out for with prebiotic rich foods, acacia fiber they're fine with. And it goes unnoticed too. And your smoothie and your coffee, it's not going to thicken it um, like a psyllium husk would. Or, yes, yeah. So I really, I really love acacia fiber and even food wise, something that we've really incorporated into our diet that I also just love for the flavor is leeks. Yeah, And they have such good prebiotics and then also artichokes. And we'll even just buy like canned artichokes, trying to get like a BPA free lining, but it's, it's foods that I feel like you don't actually see that often or even like in restaurants and things like that, but they're so delicious and they're so easy to cook. Yeah. Leeks are like a hidden gem. They're so mild and so easy, but you don't,
1: you don't see them in a lot of things.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I wanted you to touch on Robin quickly, why green bananas would be (laughs) a good prebiotic source and versus, you know, your typical banana or overripe banana.
1: Yeah. So there's a category of foods that I would call resistant starches, which there's a lot of research on those for metabolic health, blood sugar health, gut health. They especially help produce what are called short chain fatty acids. And again, a lot of research on that related to skin, but the category of foods to get resistant starch specifically would be things like green bananas, plantains, cooked and cooled rice and potatoes. So I mean, you cook it, put it in the fridge, let it build up the starch. And then you either eat that as cold leftovers or it's fine to heat it up a little bit. Um, so those are some foods that are going to specifically be resistant starch foods for short chain fatty acid production.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. That's actually one of the reasons why I love potato salad, but like you cook it the day before Mm -hmm. and then let it sit in the fridge. Um, and some, a note too, that I'll always have people do is get those green bananas. And if you're like a religious, you know, you like your smoothies or things like that, use those bananas to cut up and freeze and put in your freezer. Because I find so many people are putting like the extra ripe bananas. because like, oh, they're going to go bad. Let me cut them up, put them in the freezer and I can use them for my smoothie. But you want to get that resistant starch yeah. benefits. That's a really um, good. Yeah. I'm curious if there are, I know we talked about probiotics, making sure you've prebiotics in there too, but are there other specific, um, supplements or a supplement protocol that you would put someone on, um, for skin health or for gut health?
1: Yeah, I would say one of the bigger nutrients that I utilize with skin stuff, and this is acne, rosacea, uh, eczema psoriasis is vitamin A. Uh, There's research on each of these, like specifically, and typically the doses they use are pretty high, much higher than the upper limit or like what recommendations suggest. Um, And I know there's a lot of fear around vitamin A toxicity. So it's a conversation that is best had one-on-one with a client, but I would probably challenge some of those RDAs or upper limits in that, you know, we put so much fear around too much vitamin A and vitamin A toxicity, but we don't talk enough about the negative repercussions of not getting enough. And there's big issues with that definitely for skin, but also for thyroid health, for inflammation levels, for pregnancy and fertility. So um, I think that's one that I I often have to discuss with clients, because if we think about where do we get vitamin A, you know, if you Google it, it's going to tell you all these beta carotene sources, carrots, squash, uh, orange and yellow veggies but the body is supposed to convert beta carotene into retinol. And it does that at a very poor rate, like 2%. And that's depending on someone's genetics. So we need to be talking about, are you getting real vitamin A, which is going to come from liver is the best source, especially beef liver and egg yolks. And then that's, and maybe some uh, dairy, but most people aren't eating liver. There are definitely people who toss their egg yolks. And so we have to look at, are you getting any vitamin A, real vitamin A? That is one that I typically will have to talk about. Can they do food sources? Or I don't blame blame you for not being able to do liver. So then let's look at supplementation, especially if you're pretty flared and we need to speed up the healing. We'll use vitamin A.
0: Yeah. Um, I know some people. I actually, I'm reading. I don't know, Robin, if you know um, Lily Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm reading one of her books now and she has a, which she touts that like everyone loves it. She has a meatloaf recipe where mm-hmm. she puts like liver mixed in and I'm dying to make it. Um, but you do usually have to hide it unless you, you like pate. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> but can't, I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I, can't I can't, I have
1: tried liver so many times and as much as I want to be able to eat it, 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 physically makes me gag. So I've even tried, and I, I have people who can do this is chopping it up raw. Like don't cook it, chop it up okay. into little tiny bites and freeze it and then take it as a supplement. Something about no. it. Simple. Psychologically I struggle. So I tend to just do desiccated beef liver capsules. You know, I wish I could yeah. do raw. I encourage people to do it. I encourage people to start their kids on it young if they can, because you're, you're not born hating it we kind of learn to hate it. So yeah, it's a personal thing. There's definitely options if you aren't able to do
0: that in food form. Yeah, no, I'm with you on uh, the desiccated liver pills instead of mixing it Mm -hmm. in. But that's why I'm so curious to try this meatloaf because she's like, it actually makes it taste better. She's like, I have no idea why because it doesn't for a lot of other foods. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious uh, to see if it actually does. I have made her meatloaf. Oh, you
1: have? I would say start on the low end, (laughs) (laughs) dose I think I got a little gung-ho thinking it would hide everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. Good good tip and good to know. And I'm glad, too, you brought up egg yolks because even though – I feel like we've now put so much information out there to not just have egg whites and where all the nutrition is in the yolk. Here is another reason, folks, another reason to not have egg whites and have the whole egg. Aim for a pasture-raised egg so you're getting more nutrients and you can tell by that yolk color. So looking for that orange yolk. But I mean, anytime I can plug a good pasture-raised egg and not eating egg whites, I'm going to do it. Um well, my- so many good news. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So my last question, Robin would really be like, what are your top tips that people could start doing today? Let's take for skin health and clearer skin and then gut health. And obviously they're connected. So I'm sure doing both for each will help.
1: Yeah. So I would say first, just start asking questions, start asking root cause questions and looking at your body differently, instead of just trying to suppress it, start asking the questions of what's, what could have triggered it? I, you know, one of the questions I ask every, all my clients is when did it start? Let's go back to the very beginning. When did things start? And you're even thinking about a couple years before that, what was going on in life? So sometimes there's a huge stressor. Sometimes it was like multiple pregnancies and nursing. And it's like, that's a lot of stress on the body or, um, you know, I would just have questions, ask questions first. Uh, And then I, I, like I said earlier, minerals, that is the place to start. I have a free mineral recipe on my Instagram. Um, that is pretty inexpensive for most people to do. So start repleting because most people are stressed some somehow. Um, so those are, and that's beneficial to the gut too. This is not just skin, but that is you got to get all the cells working. So that impacts everything. And then the next thing that would be the most important is looking at your circadian rhythm. If your cortisol is a wreck, it's going to be really hard to heal. I'm pretty direct with people on that. And sometimes we have to look at it in labs, but start optimizing your sleep and taking that seriously. Start at least paying attention to your circadian rhythm with light exposure. Those are They sound basic, but they're truly foundational things that I do with everybody.
0: I love that, Robin, because I guarantee anyone who's having skin issues is not thinking it's linked to their sleep, right? Mm -hmm. They're not thinking, or even their stress, right, too. They're thinking more so, if anything, maybe food first, like, oh, am I eating certain foods that are bringing out, but they're not even probably tapping into any of that.
1: And I don't blame them. I too was skeptical yeah. of so much of that. And this is why I like to get into the science. And I talk about like, let's connect it for you because if your sleep's a wreck, your cortisol's a wreck. If your cortisol's a wreck, it's gonna make it hard for your gut to work. It's gonna make it, you're gonna be draining these minerals. And I can connect that back to the skin for for people. And I, I do think sometimes labs are needed to help really drive the point home
0: for some, but your sleep is is huge for everything. And it goes back to just like our whole, our whole body is interconnected, right? Like, I mean, physically, we can see it too. But sometimes we have to be reminded that if one thing's off, it really can have an effect on everything else. And I'm so glad you even touched on cellular health. We actually have a great episode um, with Dr. Scott Minton, all about cellular health, because that's another thing that we just don't talk about. But if you're if your cells aren't healthy, nothing is going to function well. And if your cells are healthy, oh my gosh, you are going to feel good and your body is going to function optimally, right? Because again, it's kind of that, it made me think of when you were talking about the upper limit intakes for certain nutrients that are set. And sometimes we don't talk about, well, what's the negative side of not getting enough. And that's same with labs, right? Even though you could be within that normal range that's not the optimal range. So trying to talk about that more and getting that out there. But thank you so much, Robin. I do have a little rapid fire question for you that we do for everyone. Um, So first thing that comes to mind, but what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool?
1: Oh, yes. For me personally, it's hiking in nature. And I know that's kind of a physical activity, but something about being surrounded by trees. I live in Bend, Oregon. So it's very much a nature place that just puts me in my peaceful place.
0: I love that. Um, okay. Coffee or tea?
1: Coffee. Got to put All my, got to cut myself off sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I can definitely get in the habit of overdoing it like every other human, but it's, yeah, it's my choice.
0: And also, if you drink too much coffee, Robin, you have great information too on how to like kind of take week breaks and what that can do. So make sure you check that out. Yeah. Okay. Last question would be favorite home-cooked meal. Ooh, I, we are pretty simple in this house. I will say one of my favorites is a homemade pizza. Oh, that does sound good. Actually, we I was just saying to my husband this morning, we have everything to make one. So I'm like, we need to plan a pizza party day. <laughs> Cause yeah. it's so good. There's not, I, I mean, it's, it's so good. And have you watched Robin? The, um, Oh, um, Stanley Tucci. Have you seen his new show? Oh, I need to, because I've seen so many friends post about it, but I have not watched it. I think I would love it. Yeah. So d- watch that on a pizza night. Oh, and okay. Then you're golden, right? It's
1: funny is growing <laughs> up. I hated when my mom would make homemade pizza because I was so, I obviously much preferred pizza version. And now, I mean, if you change your taste buds, you start to really enjoy these versions. And now it's my forte.
0: Yeah. And there's something about making it too, right? Mm -hmm. Again, like even with cooking food, when you make it, it does, it just tastes better. Um, but where can people find you connect with you, learn more, give us all the places.
1: Yes. So I'm at nutrition by Robin. That's Robin with the Y on Instagram. That's also my website. And if you're specifically looking for more health around skin and even acne, that is the clear skin lab. So that's the clear and the Instagram page is where we talk more about skin specifically.
0: Awesome. Okay guys, go check it out. And like I said, I do think Robin is one of the best Instagram accounts in terms of education. So go check it out, Robin. Thank you again so much. And we will see everyone next time. Thank you. After listening to today's episode, I want you to pay attention to how many processed oils are in your diet, which is most with the exception of olive oil, avocado oil, and coconut oil. And as a note, most restaurants use processed oils to cook their food. So remember that when you're ordering takeout or eating at a restaurant, once you have a better idea of how many processed oils are in your diet, I want you to start either swapping them out for healthier oils like we just talked about, or start to consciously cut down on them. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Stephen. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at And we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.